0: episode 35 of the shock Jacques, Jacques knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network i'm your host sean st Jacques, back for another week of knicks and nba hoops on this beautiful network itunes is where you can subscribe and leave a rating and review and as always you can go to postingandtoasting.com or my twitter account at sha7 to let me know what your thoughts are on the knicks And the NBA as a whole. We're mixing the two today. A little bit of Knicks at the beginning. And then second half of the show, we're talking NBA storylines. We get closer and closer to the playoffs for those NBA fans that are not just Knicks fans on the show. Want to at least cater to some of your needs as well. We haven't had a chance to talk about the NBA in general in a while. Uh, We've been uh, stuck on the Knicks. Obviously, it's a Knicks driven show but we're going to give the general nba fans not just the Knicks fans a little love later on in the show talking biggest storylines as we head close uh, and closer to the nba playoffs but first i want to hit on what we're all about around here the knicks and of course the rest of this season and you know it's funny before i got on uh and and started putting the show together this week i i I was looking at last week's show. Every once in a while, I I take a gander at at our show from last week and just checking on, you know, you know, just crossing the t's dotting the i's and and seeing what you guys thought of the show and and, or seeing what um you know we talked about last week just so we can kind of go in a different direction if we have to you know unless the story from last week is still relevant. This is a long week. I mean, I I don't know about you guys. It, it it felt like it's it feels like it's been two weeks since I've done a show. Like it, this has been a long week. It's not been two weeks. We did a show last week. We've been on schedule and, and things like that. It's just it's oh my gosh. This has been a long week in NBA land. It's been uh, I don't know. I don't know why it doesn't. Yeah, it, it's been. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on. It. Maybe I'm alone here. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Really, it just felt like this week just wouldn't end. I mean, just watching the Knicks against Charlotte the other night, I, I it hit me like halfway through the third quarter. I was just like, "Geez, this this game's never going to end. This season's never going to end, and this week's never going to end." Like on one, all in one thought, and I'm just thinking, "Oh my goodness, like this is just we're stuck we're just stuck. We're just stuck here in purgatory, or less than purgatory." Really, we're stuck at the bottom here, and now the Knicks have lost five in a row, and it's tough now. It's so tough to to poke, to pick and poke, and and look at positives over the last couple of games. It's just been a disaster. I mean, we keep coming back to that because we get we get glimmers of hope, right, every once in a while, but we keep coming back to this to this narrative that it's just not been good. It, it just it's it's the Knicks have just not been able. To go anywhere near where we thought they'd be in the preseason. And now they've lost five in a row. They lost at Atlanta. They lost to the Wizards. Lost to the Pacers. Lost on the road to the Rockets and the coup de grace. Just terrible late game execution. Knicks, you know, crucial turnovers down the stretch. Uh, I think one of them was one of the worst unforced turnovers I've seen in the NBA all season. And they lose to the lowly Charlotte Hornets, 107-101. to By the time you listen to this podcast, the Knicks will likely be six games in a row in the losing column. They go to Philadelphia, although Joel Embiid is not playing uh, on this Thursday night as I record the podcast. Um, It's not going to matter. Although the Sixers, we'll get to them in the second half of the show. We're talking NBA storylines. Everyone's talking about the Sixers. We'll dive in on them. When we get more into the broad scope of the NBA. But for the Knicks specifically, it just got me thinking you know, for where they are right now, they're 17 and 41. They're last place in the Atlantic Division by nine and a half games. Actually, by 10 and a half games after the, the loss last night. They're 10 and a half behind Brooklyn. NBA standings wise, they're now a game out of having the worst record in the, uh, in, in the Eastern Conference. They're one game better than the atlanta hawks and now they're tied with the cleveland cavaliers who have somehow managed to win two games in a row and now colin sexton a guy that i wanted to be a nick when he came out of uh not out of kentucky out of alabama is now lighting it up and i just get reminded like oh you know another guy the Knicks could have had that's already that's that's starting to play well <laughs> like zion of course but it's one of those things where like what are the goals I, that, that's kind of what i come back to i know i i, I know i'm having like a, a tough start here to the show it's it's a downer it, 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 but that's just how i'm feeling right now and I, and I feel like that's what i'm getting from a lot of you at the moment as well out there it's just a down week it's been a long week the knicks have just not played well it feels like the 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 early parts of the Fisdale start to this season again it, it's 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 we're in this cycle, we're in this cycle, we're on the hamster wheel, and I'm tired of being on this hamster wheel, it's extremely frustrating, and what I come back to is this, again, 17 and 41, so you've played 58 games this season, and if my math is right, there's 24 games left for the New York Knicks in this season, what's left to accomplish in those 24 games? what's left because they've already done one thing that we expected them at least i expected them to do a month ago maybe even a little bit more than that depending on the expectations you had Uh, they've reached the amount of wins they had last season and that bar is obviously extremely low but the knicks are going to win more games than they did last year are they going to improve on their positioning in the east (laughs) There's still there's still a very good chance that doesn't happen But at least you could say they won more games than they did a season ago. But again, that's not much to say considering the Knicks had one of the worst seasons last year in their franchise's history. And again, that's also saying quite a bit considering how bad it's been overall for the last 20 years. On top of that, so the Knicks are going to win more games than they did a season ago. Great. We 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 were pretty sure if you spend, you know, what, 50, 60 million in free agency, uh, despite not getting Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, they were going to do that. They're going to do that. With 24 games left, we know that's possible. It's going to happen. They're going to win more than 17 games. They're probably going to win 20 games. Heck, they might even win 25 games. However, where are we? The, the Knicks don't know who their next coach is going to be we don't know who's going to be on the team next year in my opinion i mean you're looking at the roster i mean those are two things right off the bat that the knicks front office needs to know because when you're looking at it right now all right julius Randle has julius Randle has two more years left on his contract he'll be he'll be sticking around you traded marcus morris so that that job done there you got a first round pick job done rj barrett's the future of the franchise as we sit here today, he's a rising star. He was in the Rising Stars Challenge. It's all good. He'll be sticking around. Bobby Portis. I don't know. I don't know what the Knicks are going to do with him next year. Probably get rid of him. But who knows? What else are they going to bring? Who are they going to bring in? Alfred Payton is going to be sticking around. I think he's played his way into another year with the Knicks, in my opinion. Mitchell Robinson. If he keeps playing like he did against Charlotte, he's going to be around here for a long time. He, he was phenomenal against Charlotte. A game, a long overdue game from Mitchell Robinson. I think he had 12 points. What do you have, 16? 16 rebounds, I just checked. 16 rebounds and three blocks. Two assists and a steal. I mean, that's the Mitchell Robinson I thought we'd be getting a lot more of this season. It just hasn't happened enough for him. You look at Reggie Bullock. I don't know where I'm at with Reggie Bullock. Again, he was dealing with an injury. He's missed a lot of games. He's only played 24 games for the Knicks this season. But this guy's going to be on a short-term contract. You could easily get rid of this guy if the Knicks feel like that's possible. But you also need some bench depth. And I think that could... I mean, depending on where you're at with his health, he could be a good three-point option to keep around. Damian Dotson is a is gosh I mean it could be cut at any moment. I mean really you just don't know. Kevin Knox has been has had an extremely in my opinion in my opinion an extremely disappointing season. He's only started 4 games all year. He's played 57 games. So I mean that's a good sign. He's he's been in almost every game. But 6.6 points, 2.8 rebounds, It's been underwhelming, to say the least. I thought we'd be potentially thinking of Kevin Knox as maybe a a 10-point-a-game guy this year, like up where Bobby Portis is right now, like 9.8 points per game. And it just hasn't happened. But he's, at least for now, the future. But I, I, And again, I've been a guy that's been a huge Kevin Knox supporter since the Knicks drafted him. But, I mean, if we're at this same point next year, I mean, they're going to trade him. They're going to get rid of him. Alonzo Trier we just haven't seen enough from him this year I mean after the the flashes we saw last year and again this is a kid out of Arizona that not a lot of people had faith in because of his troubles at the school and now this year and then you know he has a couple of monster games last year and he showed the signs he was one of the few bright spots at times for the Knicks when he got a chance to play this year he's played 22 games and he's only started once He's only started one game all year. Now, to be fair, I mean, we, we finally got a breakout game out of Trier against Charlotte. Finally, Mike Miller kind of let him get some minutes, and he played 16 minutes. He had 15 points and was plus seven in the plus minus. So, I mean, that's something I got to say more of, is, is Alonzo Trier getting more minutes here. I mean, what, what do you got to lose? at this point the Knicks have got to be tanking that's that's another thing we got to get to as far as goals for the rest of this season coach needs to be figured out play the young guys get more of the get more Trieran get more Knox you know give me more of these guys you know but start Mitchell Robinson a little bit more than, than, than you'd like to you're not trying to win anymore you, you need that first round the first of the first two round picks to be a top five pick you got to make sure that that's that the percentages are in your favor and then we get into expendables at the bottom of the roster oh well first i'll say frank nilakina before we get into the expendables nilakina again you pick up the option but it's not looking too good right now that you did that nilakina now has been in and out of the lineup he's played 50 games this year he started 26 of them and in just under 21 minutes per game, he's averaging under 6 points per game. Just over 2 rebounds per game, 3 assists per game, and just under a steal per game. To me, his defense, and again, at times it's very good, does not make up for the fact that he's a liability on the offensive end. So now you're stuck with him, at least for now, you're stuck with him. And, and oh gosh, I mean, just in my opinion, it's still—I I hold the wrong decision to do that. You should not have given him that extra year. And, and now, now he's—I mean, now he's a dead man walking. In my, opinion. at some point, I've said this for months now. At some point, Frank Nilakina will no longer be a neck. And 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 now he's just you're just using up minutes that could go to somebody else that could maybe show you something. That you don't already know about Frank Nilakina. Not now to the expendable guys. We're looking at Taj Gibson. At times Taj Gibson, I saw him live earlier this year, and he, there's a little bit left in that tank. He's showing you every once in a while that he's got a little bit left in the tank, but but at, at some point he's he's gonna be gone. I mean, I can't imagine the Knicks bring him back. Gibson against Charlotte, though, had ten points, three rebounds, but minus fifteen on the floor. I mean, it showed. I mean, defensively, he was awful, just terrible. But he, but again, he's he's an old guy. He's getting up there, at least as far as the NBA is concerned. He's he's going to be gone. Dennis Smith Jr. I I hate to say this too. Knicks might be stuck with him as well because he's been hurt so much this year and obviously the off-the-court issues with his family and, and and things like that. He's had a tough year. I, Dennis Smith Jr., I, I feel terrible for him. He has had such a rough year with the Knicks. Charlotte, the other night, I, I barely remember him even playing, but he he went four for 12, nine points, three assists, four fouls. He had more fouls uh, than he had assists. Great. It, it, it's It's... I hate to judge Dennis Smith Jr. on this year. He's just had such a tough year. I mean, nothing's gone his way, and then when he's played, I, I mean, he just doesn't. It doesn't feel like he's all there. It just doesn't feel like he's given it all on the court. And it's tough to to knock him for that because of what he's been through this year. It's been a, it's been a year he'd like to forget, that's for sure. And then for me, I mean, one of the more one of the more disappointing of the signings from the off was Wayne Ellington. The way it's worked out for him this year. 28 games but he's only started once for the Knicks he's played 15 minutes per game only five points per game I thought that'd be boy uh much higher than that you know Wayne Ellington I mean again this is a guy that's been listen since he's come out of Carolina and then we're, again we're talking a while ago we're talking 2009 when uh wayne ellington was was taken in the first round in the nBA draft i i just i expected more than, than what he's brought to the table this season i five points per game just doesn't again i it's surprising it it it's just surprising and he's just he's become a he's become a, just a forgotten guy. On the roster. And at some point, he's 32 years old. And at some point, I mean, again, has bounced around the NBA during his career, but he has shown flashes. He's shown the signs that he could be a productive rotation guy in the NBA. But you you put him on this Knicks roster, and he's just become a forgotten man. I mean, we don't. I mean, what was the last time we talked about Wayne Ellington on this show? You might. I mean, some of you might not even remember he's on the roster still. That's how that's how quiet of a year Wayne Ellington has had. Some of you might have just. I, I some as soon as I said Wayne Ellington, you're like, are we still talking about the Knicks? This is this is this my team we're talking about? He's just not been, well, again, 28 games. He's only started one game. But I, I, if you had told me that that was where we would be with 24 games left in the season, I would have told you, boy, that's a disappointment. I'd, I'd say there's no way. He's He's three points off of his career average this season. And last year, again, he played with two different franchises a season ago. He played with Miami and Detroit. He averaged eight and a half a game with Miami for 25 games, and then with 28 games with Detroit, he averaged 12 points per game, which was a career high. So you look at combined last year, 10.3 points per game. It's one of his best totals as an NBA player. This guy's you know bounced around from Minnesota to Memphis to Cleveland to Dallas to the Lakers to Brooklyn to Miami. And they went from Miami to Detroit last season after three years in Miami where he played really well. He averaged double figures every year he was with the Heat. Goes to Detroit and for his 28 games in Detroit averages above his career high in points per game. And this is a guy that can give you some assists. That can rebound a little bit for you. That can shoot the three. And this year, I mean, he's his effective field goal percentage is the lowest it's been since his third year in the league. Just a huge drop-off from last season, where, by the way, last year, one of his best effective field goal percentage years. Three-point shooting-wise, this year, Wayne Ellington is shooting 34.6%. That's the lowest mark since his third year in the league, when he was 24 years old. That's eight years ago. Two point percentage, forget it. It's the worst it's ever been in his career. Just just over forty percent. Actually, I, I stand corrected. He had one year worse than that. His second year in the league, when it was when it was one percentage point lower. Actually, a tenth of a percentage point lower. percent this year it's 40.7 percent i I mean these are (laughs) career worst numbers for wayne ellington and and listen this is a guy that's not used to starting games but to be fair to him he's only started one game all year and he's become a forgotten man he just has forgotten become a forgotten man on this roster and when the Knicks brought him in, it was like, okay, you know, that's considering what the Knicks just missed out on. Wayne Ellington's a guy you think, for culture wise, can set an example. He's had no chance to do that, at least not on the court. And then, of course, the Knicks newest, the newest Nick, the newest piece uh, on the Knicks roster, Mo Harkless. Who has, to be honest, been you know mo harkless. He's he's he has stayed true to form in his early stages. As a Nick, his numbers are pretty much what he put up uh, with the Clippers. It, it's basically what you're going to get with him. At some point, he's going to be an expendable piece. And pardon me, but but that's what we expected, right? I mean, that's what we thought we were going to get. Because the first round pick just means more. It just means more in that deal. And again, that's the reason why that deal made a lot of sense. That's the reason. You, you t- you'll take Mo Harkless off, off the Clippers' hands if you can get that first round pick. And That's exactly what the Knicks did. So you can't, you know, again, we're not going to revisit that. That that, that deal is, is exactly what the Knicks had to do to get something for Marcus Morris. They got a player, they got a pick. And they got a first round pick That was the crucial thing. And listen, he'll give you some points every once in a while. He maybe he might rebound a little bit for you. He might every once in a while give you a few assists. He, he he's a serviceable NBA player. I mean, that's all you're going to get. He can defend as well at times. And that's we, we talked about this. This is exactly what we thought the Knicks were going to get. And now it comes down to what what's going to happen going forward with this team the rest of the way. For me, there are three main goals. Actually, you might even throw in a fourth here because we, you know, again, there's still some things that have to be shaken out in the front office. But number one is this: you got to start playing the young guys more. You know, start Mitchell Robinson. Stop starting Taj Gibson. Enough is enough. I I I know Mitchell Robinson's going to give you some good games and some bad games, but you're not trying to win anymore. I mean that that you've already you're already going to win more games than you won last year. And now it's about trying to get. As, as close as you can to that top pick is possible. You know, try to try to go for the playoffs when you're nine back of the eighth spot is not helping anybody out here. And, and, and we know the Knicks aren't getting there, obviously, or you wouldn't have traded Marcus Morris. So let's tank the rest of the way. You're already going to reach the, you know, somewhat you're winning you know as far as your realistic winning goal, although the Knicks maybe have had higher goals than I did earlier in the season although to be fair I thought the Knicks could win 30 33 games this year but now that we know that that's not this team's clearly not good enough to do that you got to get some draft picks and the picks have got to be good picks so you got the first round pick on top of the one you already have now that first first round pick's got to be a good pick. You got to give yourself the best chance to get the guy you want. So you got to tank. You got to start. You got to keep losing some games here. But you've got to see what you have in Robinson and Trier and Knox. Those guys have got to be playing a lot more. Especially, I mean, look at Trier. I mean, Trier's barely played at times this season. You got to see more of him. I get it. Mitchell Robinson played 30 minutes last night, but he's not starting games. Same with Kevin Knox, he plays 23 game, uh, 23 minutes, but they're off the bench. You know, let Taj Gibson and, and Mo Harkless take a breather here. You know, let's let let the future guys start getting some starts. I'm not saying every game, but mix in some starts with these guys every once in a while. You know, the winning games thing is no longer a thing. It hasn't been for a while, but now that you've reached the amount of wins you won last year with 24 games still to play, you know, take a hint here. Like, like, Let's let's start looking towards the draft a little bit here. Number two, and this is the big one, Leon Rose. I haven't even mentioned him yet. Leon Rose reportedly is taking over at the beginning of March. So by the time you listen to this podcast he might already be in charge depending on when you listen to the show whether you listen to the day comes out or the day after it comes out or, or throughout the week leon rose by the time you might listen to this is either about to be or will already be taking over the knicks front office daily news reports march 1st is when this takeover begins now the search for the head coach has got to really pick up i mean it's the twofold here it's the twofold leon rose has got to start leon rosing and we got to start looking for a head coach i mean we got to really in earnest is it going to be mark jackson is it going to be jeff van gundy who's it going to be you know i mean you gotta start looking in earnest it's not mike miller Clearly, it's not going to be Mike Miller. We, we've gone back and forth on this all year. Keep coming back to the same conclusion. So, who's it going to be? Who's going to be the person that's going to be with you through this through this rebuild? This has got to be figured out. And I, the last thing I want to mention before we take a break and before we dive into what. NBA storylines because I still want to get into that we got to dive into some playoff talk and some seedings and and things like that the last thing is this what's the what's going to be a success at the end of this Knicks season for me it's a it's 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 not going to be measured anymore in wins and losses where the Knicks best chance is going to be for a top five pick in the NBA draft And how close are the Knicks to naming the next head coach? I mean, those are the two things that we need to know and answer for. We need an answer for those by by the end of the season. We need to know, has to know, what's going to happen here. But with this organization, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I have no idea. No clue. It's one of those things where I just, who who knows? (laughs) I mean, your guess is as good as mine. And at some point, though, at some point, the Knicks have got to start pulling the trigger on a head coach, and they got to start pulling a trigger on getting the veterans out of the starting lineup. At some point, we've got to start seeing these young guys get a ton of minutes here, off not off the bench, in the starting lineup. Again, there's no, it's, there's no reason to keep these guys as bench warmers. I, I see how I don't see how it benefits anybody. And you're not trying to win games anymore. Keep that in mind. It doesn't matter again. It doesn't matter anymore how many games the Knicks win this season. It doesn't matter. I'd love to see the Knicks win more games, but they're not going to. So it doesn't matter. I, I wish more organizations would kind of realize that. And some do. Some do, they just don't like talking about it. But when you're one game away from being the worst record in the East, you know, because right now there's no way the Knicks are going to get that first uh, percentage points as far as the lottery, because the the Warriors are 12 and 46. The Warriors have a five game cushion for that first, or slightly better odds to get that first overall pick. Again, they might not get it. That's the good part about the draft. This time around. Knicks were the first had the first best odds slightly last year. Or actually technically now it's the, the the top three have the same odds. So it's about getting in that top three. That's really what it comes down to. Now that I think about it, it's actually yeah the rules are completely different now. Not even slightly better odds. It's you gotta get to those top three spots. Get to those top three spots you could have a chance. So Knicks Knicks had the first Knicks Nick said the worst record. They were the first team you could argue last year they got the third pick just about giving yourself a chance right now the Knicks I think would have the fourth or the fifth I think the fourth so they're just outside that top three right now and I get it it's tantalizing the Knicks are what three games out of 10th and four and a four or five and a half out of ninth but they're not getting there folks they're not getting there so it's time, it's time to look again. It's time to look towards the draft. Can't stress that enough. And it's time to look towards getting a new head coach. you got to start thinking about who's going to be the coach. Listen, Mike Miller, I, I, probably going to finish off the season. I can't imagine the Knicks fire him, especially now with Leon Rose taking over. I can't imagine that Mike Miller doesn't finish the season, but he's not getting another season. You know, at some point, you've got to move on all right let's take a break here when we come back a little more upbeat hopefully (laughs) try to be more positive in the next segment it's all nba playoff talk i know a lot of people despite the knicks struggles are still interested in the rest of the nba season we'll dive into the top storylines going into the nba playoffs and the home stretch of the nba regular season we come back on the shock shock knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network the playoffs. They're just around the corner now, actually. I, I was watching a little bit of, of some of the national games over the last few days, uh, and its we're getting down the home stretch of the NBA season. A lot still to be determined in both conferences, and wow, a ton of surprises. I mean, a ton of storylines, a ton of surprises, a ton of really interesting things to look forward to. Again, and, and for me as a Nick fan, It's one of those things where, despite the Knicks' struggles this year, there's going to be a lot of NBA basketball worth watching down the stretch of the regular season. A lot of games to be keeping one eye on because it's going to be very interesting to see how it finishes off. And then the seedings for the playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference, are extremely intriguing right now with a couple of juicy playoff matchups that could already be forming... In front of our eyes, so I'm very excited about that. Let's start in the East because I I, it's closer to home, but also there's a I I just it's it's just a lot. It's so interesting what's going on. There's a lot to look at in the East right now. The top storyline right now, obviously, is the Bucks, but I something feels off with this Bucks team. And again, I picked them to finish top of the conference at the beginning of the season. I think at some point. When the season's over, I'm going to look back at my preseason predictions. I did them a while back. I don't know which episode it was. Uh, Early in the season. If you go by dates on iTunes or um, either on Megaphone where the podcast is housed, or if you go on postingandtoasting.com, you should be able to find it. Uh, I did do preseason NBA predictions for both conferences. They're pretty detailed. I have the list uh, somewhere and by the end of the season i will reflect and see how i did as far as the standings and me picking the standings i think i didn't do that well uh, with a couple of teams <laughs> i must say especially out west uh, which i'll dive in a little bit uh more later on as the season uh finishes up uh, i'll touch a little bit on it now but but we'll we'll really that'll be more detailed towards the end of the season we'll we'll reflect and see how i did with my pick i think i did better in the east than i did in the West, although probably not by a lot, but but we'll look back at it. We'll look back at it later on in the season when when it's all winding down. We're getting really close to seeing who's playing who in the first round of the NBA playoffs, but for now, something's off with Milwaukee. I I don't know what it is. They keep winning. They've won four in a row. They're 50-8. and I mean, they're unstoppable, it feels like. They're the best team in the NBA on paper, but every time I see them, Every time I've watched them play this year, I get I see this I see the same problem signs that I saw last year. Certain lapses on the court, ways that they can be beaten on the defensive end. When, you know, I I when you're physical with Milwaukee, I mean they're very beatable. I feel like. I feel like when you're really up on them and you're making it tough on them to shoot, like. In the regular season, you're not going to see that a lot because certain teams just can't do that. They're not capable of being that physical for for a full four a full four quarters. There's not talented enough, or they you know the guys are resting. So in the big games, you know the Bucks are manhandling teams, so, so they're, they're they're running all over teams because you know someone's sitting out that's big for the other side, or whatever the case maybe, or someone's hurt. So it's so tough. To gauge nowadays with the NBA regular season, because you know, the Bucks have an eight-game cushion right now in the number one overall seed in the East, and they've got a, I think, a five and a half game lead on the Lakers for the best record in the NBA. They're running away with home home court advantage through the NBA Finals. So, I mean, that's the good news for Milwaukee, and and Giannis is going to probably be an MVP frontrunner if not the winner. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, maybe LeBron, maybe, oh boy, maybe Luka has a slight chance. I can't think of anybody else who would really have a shot besides those three guys of winning the MVP, but I, I think it's Giannis is to lose right now at least, and I gotta tell you, I mean, the Bucks look really good, but I could easily see them being vulnerable later on in the playoffs where they gotta play... Two of these teams, where I think they could they could really give them. I think Toronto could give them a lot of trouble, uh, even though they just. I think I think the Bucs just won in Toronto. Although uh, to be fair, that was on a back to back. That was pretty impressive. So I give the Bucks a lot of credit for that. But the Celtics too. I think the Celtics could be a sneaky team. I don't. I, not a lot of people are talking about them as a championship contender, but I. They've got a chance in the East. They have got a real chance to maybe make some big time noise in the East. They're playing really well right now. They're 41 and 17. They they they've been tough to beat at home this year. I think that the one record they have that's been a little bit concerning to me is their divisional record. I believe the Celtics are 7 and 5 in 12 division games. this year. That's not great. That, that that record probably should be better. But to be fair, you know, you look around that the 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 Atlantic, not many teams have great. Rec- no one's exactly dominating the division. You know, the, the Sixers are 10 and 4, the the Raptors are 8 and 4. You know, nobody else is really running away with, with the Atlantic Head to head, so maybe that's a, a bit of a knock that doesn't need to be there. But Celtics have been playing really good basketball. They look like a world-beating team all of a sudden over the last maybe we're getting close to a month now, but really the last couple of weeks where I've watched Boston and I've been, you know, not happy what I've been seeing because they've been so good. But th- I've been thoroughly impressed just as a basketball fan how well they've been playing, and they, they're they're a contender to come out of the East. I mean, there's no question they're, they're a three seed right now, obviously, so they're in the mix, but. People are saying it's the Bucs and everybody else in the East at times this year. The Celtics and the Raptors are going to have a say. They are going to be in the mix to, to maybe be the spoilers and knock the Bucs out at some point, you know, whether it's a Eastern Conference semifinal or the, or the Eastern Conference finals themselves. One of those two teams is going to have a say before it's all said and done. They're both playing really good basketball. And then it, then it gets really interesting. The tiers then start to form. So you look at the Bucs in the East— the top two challengers are the Celtics and the Raptors right after that. Then there's a pretty big drop-off, not only in the standings, but I'd say in quality of team as well. Then you're starting to look at Miami. Miami right now, it, they're in a little bit of a tough spot. Jimmy Butler, from from what I've been looking at and seeing a little bit, I haven't watched the, the Heat play as much recently, but Butler's been in and out of the lineup at times over the last couple of weeks. They've suffered a little bit in the, with that in their play they've lost two in a row but the, the 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 problem with the the Miami Heat is simply this they they are so bad on the road they are it's a it, they're polar opposite between playing at an American Airlines arena and everywhere else 23 and 4 at home they've got one of the best home records in the NBA and they have one of the worst road records in the entire conference 13 and 18 it's really bad However, there's only one team that's worse, or I should say more, uh, home heavy than they are in this conference, and it's the team right below them a half game back in the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers have the best home record in the East, 27-2, and if memory serves, that's the best home record in the NBA, and it is, I just double checked. Best home record in the NBA for Philadelphia, 27-2. No one's been better at home than the 76ers. However, they have the same road record as the Knicks this season. Both the Knicks and the 76ers this season on the road, 9-21. and There's only, well, more than I thought actually, there's only a handful of teams that have a worse road record than that in the East None of them are playoff teams. So, (laughs) holy smokes. The fact that the Sixers are in that bad of a shape on the road. And by the way, if the season ended today, the Sixers are the five seed in the East. So they would not have home court in the first round. And if they were to play Miami, which is the most likely scenario right now, they'd have to play a team that has a phenomenal home record. But has more home games than they do. So could you imagine if the Sixers play themselves into a first round matchup where they are the underdogs and don't have any home game or don't have as many home games as their opponents. This was the team that everyone thought would challenge the Bucks. And they're 14 and a half games back of Milwaukee. The Sixers the Sixers might be the biggest storyline right now in the east the, no one's talking about the bucks you know kind of people think they know what they've got in the bucks the raptors and the celtics are kind of just lingering you know are they contenders or are they not contenders miami you know is, is in the mix but can they put it all together to make a run at, at, at an eastern conference crown we don't know and then it's the sixers you know they've fallen off so much and if I remember correctly, I I had a bad feeling about the Al Horford move. I really did. I did not think this was the right move for Philadelphia and I got ripped up and down on Twitter for for saying that earlier in the the well, actually before the season when when I was doing those previews for this show. People coming at me saying, "How are you nuts? Al Horford's going to be the missing piece." Well, he's been missing. That's the, that's for sure. He's been a, he's been a missing piece. He goes missing every night at times. He just doesn't defend like he used to. He, he he was a playmaker at times in Boston. It's not been that way with Philadelphia. And it seems like as soon as he started playing major minutes for the, for the Sixers, he's just fallen off a cliff. It's just not the same Al Horford that was helping Boston out the last few seasons. It's just not the same guy. And the Sixers have paid dearly for that. Now Embiid has been in and out of the lineup again. This is this was the biggest reason I stayed away from the Sixers winning the East this year, and and, and being I, I think I picked them second in the preseason picks. But I told you there's a huge gap between them and the Bucs. and this was the reason why. It's even bigger than I thought it was because Embiid is not gonna gonna last the whole season. And if he's not ready for the playoffs, he's not 100%, there's no way the Sixers are winning anything this year. And then they, they, then you got to think about blowing the thing up. Because the, the, the big consensus right now is the Sixers are going to have to choose at some point, Embiid or Simmons. Because together it's not working. And to me, the biggest surprise of this whole thing is when Embiid and Simmons have struggled or they've been out or they haven't been good this year, where the heck has Tobias Harris been? This was the guy that was supposed to be that third piece. And remember when with Jimmy Butler last year, though Butler was kind of the you know doing his own thing at times last year. When when Butler left for Miami, everyone said, "Well, Harris is going to step in and be that third guy." He he just has not been the same guy. His level has dropped off on the offensive end, and at times he's just a jump shooter out on the floor, he's not a playmaker. Another thing that just hurts the Sixers, especially in the half court. I mean, in the half court, if it's not Embiid, nothing happens on the floor. And part of the reason why is because Ben Simmons, for God's sakes, still can't shoot a three-point jump shot. So the Sixers are in big trouble. And by the way, they're only a game and a half up on the Indiana Pacers for fifth. If they're not careful, they might meet Boston in the first round. And then they're in real trouble. Then they're in really big trouble. Because not only they don't have home court, but now they're playing a team that might win this conference. Then there's another big drop-off. <laughs> and we start talking about the, the dark horses, the Indianas. And, and that's probably about it, actually. I mean, Brooklyn was a dark horse for a while, but now it looks like Kyrie Irving is is done. He's out for the year, from from all reports. He's done. They're not bringing him back. So the, 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 the Nets right now are just trying to get into the playoffs. They're the seventh seed right now. They got a five-game lead with 24 to play uh, over the Orlando. Or over the Washington Wizards, who are in the te- a nine spot, I should say, right now. They have a half-game lead over Orlando, who's in the eighth spot. And Orlando is trying to hold on, too. They, they have a four-and-a-half-game lead over the Wizards for a pl- the final playoff spot in the East. So the only thing to watch out for there is who's going to lose to Milwaukee and who's going to lose to Toronto. I I can't imagine either one of those teams put up much of a fight in the first round, especially without Kyrie Irving for Brooklyn. In Orlando, I mean, listen, there's some good players on that team, but but this is not a team built to do anything in the postseason. They're in purgatory right now. They're, They're just not really relevant in the east despite likely making the playoffs I, 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 to be fair you know the wizards have been a big surprise they're in the mix for a playoff spot because bradley beal is playing out of his mind and charlotte's been slightly better than i thought they'd be at this point as well but they're not making the playoffs i, I can't imagine they're going to do enough to make up the four and a half game lead on the on the magic to get in and, I, and again i, I it's going to be brooklyn and orlando but i just don't think either of them put up and they both could easily get swept both could easily get swept out of the playoffs especially Orlando Brooklyn might get a game over at Toronto because Toronto just can't win game ones that's like a, it's like written in their contracts they're not allowed to win game one of a playoff series but that's about it I mean remember Orlando I think won game one game one or game two uh in Toronto last year I think in a 2-7 matchup and then they got run off the floor the rest of the series and Toronto went on to win the championship. So I, let, let's, you know, come on. Let's be a little realistic here. That The biggest chance for an upset is is Philly losing in the first round. I mean, that's where we're at in the East. And then brace yourselves because, it, it, you know, find, it, find a safe space to hide in Philly because it's going to explode. It's going to blow up if the Sixers don't get out of the first round, which, again, is very possible, at least right now. See, it might seem silly on when you look at their roster – on paper, it might seem in- inconceivable that this could happen, but it could happen. Because right now, they're the five and they could easily be at the end of the season if they don't, if they don't help themselves out here, the sixth seed. The best thing the Sixers could do is to, is to finish higher than the Miami Heat. Because then you, you have a chance to get a first-round series win, whether it goes six or seven, whatever the case may be, and then you take your chances with the Bucs in the second round. And you see what happens from there. But it, the Sixers are on a downward trajectory. And if, if we're going through this thing with Embiid again where he can't stay healthy, it's going to be a long finish to this season for the Sixers. And it might be a short postseason for the Sixers as well because it's not going to go too well if they don't get home court in the first round. And again, one of the reasons why everyone thought the Sixers are going to be all, you know, a contender to maybe win a championship this year was because they were going to get a top seed in the East. It's not going to happen. They're not catching Boston for that third spot. I think the best they get is the four seed right now. But I mean, Miami and Philly. I mean, they might they're, there's a good chance they play each other, which would be a phenomenal series. Those because because of Butler leaving and the players don't like each other, and that that that'll be must watch television. But the big problem there is that whoever gets home court probably wins that series that's the one thing i don't know how many road wins you're going to get in that series <laughs> could go seven and the home team wins every game because that, that, that's just the way it's been playing out for both teams this season in the west it's a lot more compelling i must say a lot more interesting storylines lakers are going as hard as they can to get that one seed lebron is playing extremely well denver's the two i i, I kind of like that. They, that they've kind of Gotten back on track, and the last time we really went a full dive into the West, Denver was kind of in in a tough in a tough spot. But now they're 40 and 18, and they're looking real good and trying to lock down that two spot. Although the the Clippers are only one game back, despite you know Kawhi being in and out of the lineup at times throughout the season, and the Rockets have no big men, but they're fourth in the conference, and Russ and Harden are one game back of the three, two games back of the two, and seven games back of the one but they're trying to fend off the team that I thought had no shot of being relevant this year but because Chris Paul has been Chris Paul the Oklahoma City Thunder are just two games back of hosting a first round series in the NBA playoffs so what what an unbelievable job Billy Donovan has done with the OKC Thunder I am thoroughly impressed. I, I will talk. I, I'll I'll have a punishment or something for myself later on when we fully go back through my preseason predictions. But I had no clue that OKC was going to be this good. Where, where OKC, like OKC and, and Golden State, could switch spots. Like that's where I thought those two teams would be this year, and they're in the complete opposite spots <laughs> of where I expected them to be. But it's how it goes. I mean, the Warriors would get decimated by injuries even more, even worse off than I thought it would be. And Oklahoma City th- the Oklahoma City Thunder come out of absolutely nowhere. And they're going to be a playoff team this year. It's pretty darn impressive. And, it, and if they keep playing the way they're playing, they've won four in a row, they could end up being a top-four seed. I mean, they're in the mix. They're only two games back of the four spots. So they've they got a lot to play for down the stretch. So tip of the cap to all-star Chris Paul. He's been phenomenal this year. Uh, the rest of that lineup, I mean, you look at what Billy Donovan's done. Again, a lot of college coaches, you saw what happened with John Beeline, uh, what was it, a week or two ago, him him, uh, basically getting bought out because it's just not working out with the Cavs. Other college coaches, you know, over the years have not done great, but you look at Billy Donovan, again, two national championships with the University of Florida when they had, you know, Noah and Brewer, and Horford, and those phenomenal teams back in 05 and 06, and, and this is just such a balanced team. You look at Shea Gilders, Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and Dennis Schroeder, all at 19 points per game, and Chris Paul is, I mean, he you think he wants a ring or what? I mean, he's turned this team into a phenomenal team. He's leading the team in assists and steals, and Steven Adams is giving you a double-double the game, and he got some great... Role players. I mean, Nerland's Noel. What a great year he's had as a role player. Hamadou Diallo, continuing to give you some minutes off the bench, and Luke Entz Dort, kid out of Arizona State. I think he's a rookie. Uh, yeah, he is. Because I remember him playing in the first four last year for for the Seminoles under Bobby Hurley in the NCAA tournament. This guy's a this guy's a factor on this team. It just shows you what kind of hard work gets put in to get into the NBA. This could easily could have been passed over but he's continued to work his socks off and he's a factor on a, on a team that could be a threat in the West it, it's a heck of a story it, it just shows you how how great the college system can be for guys and Luke Gensdorf, who's an international guy comes in and in his rookie year six points in 21 minutes and he started 15 of the 23 games he's played this year he's been a far he's been a part of this for OKC at times throughout the year. It's just, it's so impressive. But anyway, it's really those top five guys along with no- Noel and Diallo that have been really carrying it for a lot of the season. And again, Dennis Schroeder, you know, 19 points. Guy started one game all year. Talk about buying into your role. I mean, phenomenal. Just shows you what a great job Billy Donovan's done to put this team together and get them playing at a high level. So I, I, I put my, I throw my hands up. I was wrong. OKC is having a phenomenal year. I thought they'd be at the bottom of this conference, and they're going to be in the playoffs. So it's pretty impressive what they've done. Well, look who look who keeps on lingering every year, and this is why I keep picking them to make the playoffs. I just don't know what you're going to get from them when we get to the playoffs. But the Utah Jazz are hanging around, and the thing is, you know what's interesting here is I don't think they're going to make any noise, but I could see them in a year or two. I, I could, because I, at some point with Donovan Mitchell there, the Jazz have got to try to add a couple pieces to this roster. At some point, need another star on this team. It's a great, it's a good team. Now, listen, they're in a tough spot right now. They have lost four in a row, so they're trying to kind of fend off the Dallas Mavericks right now, and they're still trying to maybe catch Houston. They're two games back of Houston for a top four seed. But for right now, again, lots to play for for Utah. I just don't know how well it's really going to go in the playoffs for them Cause i don't i mean again in past years it's been hit or miss for for utah they they still feel like a piece away from really being a contender in the west but for you know listen keep the good times rolling if you're a utah fan you'll take playoffs every year it's just about what you know how far you're going to go that's really good what it comes down to with the jazz dallas i mean luka's being luka kp has been has been kp the early Knicks kp he's been really good at times This season, they've got a chance still to get a top four seed. They're not out of it yet. They're two and a half back of the four spots. So a lot to play for in the West. That's what's so great about this conference. The top seven teams are all within nine and a half games of each other. And the and two through seven is within four and a half games of each other. So there's a lot to play for down the stretch. And and the playoff matchups we could get here could be phenomenal. So there's a lot to look out for in the West. Then, then the battle for that eighth spot is really interesting. There's a huge drop off. There's an eight and a half game difference between, sorry, seven and a half game difference between seven and eight. So the Grizzlies are holding on to the eighth spot. John Morant, front runner for rookie of the year, has been phenomenal. He's trash talking James Harden. They got shut up by James Harden last night, but he's he's putting his name out there. He wants to be rookie of the year. He's having a great season. Memphis is, you know, they told Andre Iguodala to, to. to go on and get get out of here we don't need you we don't need you sitting around and ripping everybody we don't need you sitting around saying nobody works hard around here we're gonna be a playoff team they got a two and a half game lead for that last playoff spot but the but the dame express is coming down the tracks cj mccollum and damian lillard are trying to fight their way back into the playoffs and don't look now but zion williamson's new orleans pelicans are three games out of that final playoff spot and I have to say, what's great about the West and what stinks about the East, right now the Grizzlies are twenty-eight and thirty, right? They're the they're the eighth spot. There are one, two, three, four, five teams currently not in a playoff spot that are still very much alive for that eighth spot. The Grizzlies are 17 games out of, of the number one seed. They have a a two-and-a-half game lead on on Portland for the last playoff spot. The Pelicans are three games back. Sacramento Kings are only three-and-a-half back. The San Antonio Spurs are only three-and-a-half back. And the Phoenix Suns, the bleeping Phoenix Suns, despite how bad they are, they've won enough games this year. They're only four-and-a-half back with 24 to play. There's a lot of basketball left. Now again, it's highly unlikely Phoenix will be anywhere near the playoffs at the end of the season. They'll be probably in the end looking for a draft pick in the in the top 10. However, the fact that they're 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 competitive enough to still be in the playoffs in late February tells you that there's something at least going right for the Phoenix Suns. So there's an eight-seed race to watch in the West that's worth watching. If you, have, if you feel like staying up late and watching these TNT and late ESPN games, I've been trying to do it the last couple, of, uh, last couple of weeks. It's been very entertaining basketball. A ton to play for in the West, as it always seems to be down the stretch of the season. Storylines galore. Storylines galore, whether you're talking seedings or just getting into the playoffs. This is how it should be. In the NBA, and I'm talking about the East specifically. <laughs> this is how it should be. A ton of teams. I mean, the only two teams that are out of it are the Golden State Warriors, who have the worst record in the NBA, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are a ticking time bomb. So it's incredible how much fun the East and the West is going to be, but specifically the West, down the stretch uh, of the regular season. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock, Shock, Knicks podcast. As always, let me know your thoughts on where the Knicks are at the moment. Let me know what your thoughts are on the NBA races. Who do you have winning uh, the East? Who do you have coming out of the West? And do you have any dark horses? That's what I really want to know. Who are your dark horses to maybe blow up the playoffs this year? We're always hoping that a team will do that at some point uh, one of these years, (laughs) kind of blow things up in the nba playoffs who do you think's got a chance to shock the world this season in the nba as far as the playoffs and let me know as always what you think about the future of the new york knicks once again thank you as always for listening enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll see you guys next time on the shock shock knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network